Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, hello and welcome to Food for Thought, a <laughs> podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, <laughs> culture, what? what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, you taste our meatballs yet? <laughs> They're very thick and have no nutritional value. say one of my kitchen wow. fails in my cooking quarantine cooking is i tried to make meatballs from impossible meat impossible beef i think there's a way to do it but it was not the way that i did it mm. impossible meat is pretty good but it, i don't understand why people do it if they're not a vegetarian because it has like it's just as bad for you I it's guess, it's actually meat, the the company is all about the planet oh right duh. i forgot about yeah, the planet yeah. so i actually <laughs> <laughs> this giant piece of rock oh, we're right. living on this thing that we keep floating on my god uh, and will it end yeah I'm, I'm definitely trying to cut out beef uh, a oh. couple times a week if I can so mm. less beef better for the planet blah 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 that's did actually you make been... steak last night though I did <laughs> <laughs> wow well, okay did. clock clock her down hold her accountable sale. it was on sale okay oh, the cat wow. was already dead when I ate it mm. <laughs> wow <laughs> that's where we are y'all Hello, I'm Tommy Teebs Pico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and silk scarf enthusiast. Oh, I've decided that 2022 oh. is going to be the year of the silk scarf. Yes. Is she getting kinky in her old age? Like, like, I, silk scarf. I like, wouldn't say, yeah, I, I, I'm fully leaning into my almost 40s and being like, this is what the look is going to be yeah, moving yeah. forward. I've got a few Perry Smith scarves from Teton Trade Cloth. It's an indigenous owned business and a my first designer scarf, which was a pink Versace. Wow. Okay, Tommy Teeps, Pico, mm-hmm. Mr. Pico, if you nasty, mm-hmm. I'll see you. Don't Isadora Duncan yourself. That was her name, right? Yes. I don't know. The, the famous... She got her scarf caught in the wheel and it strangled her. Yes. Yeah, so oh, my God. It was like long going scarves out of a convertible and she was driving in a convertible she's a famous dancer uh, and and her Damn. scarf strangled her when it got caught in the back wheel <laughs> you're kidding oh no, no. you are absolutely I am, I am where's every, the movie adaptation the, of that talk about the drama what a faggot you way to talk <laughs> that is honestly Surely. iconic that's spectacular I am a Joseph Osmondson scientist nonfiction writer and all of the mouth and no- nose and noises on this show are me I'm that's so true sorry. very true I'm now thinking of faggy ways to die. Um, first yeah. of all, so, uh, so it must be said, Elizabeth Taylor wrote in her dying will that she wanted to be fashionably late to her own funeral. <laughs> and her hearse pulled up to the funeral procession 15 minutes late. Nice. Which is fag behavior, first of all. Second of all, Elvis died on the toilet, and that is also pretty faggy. Yeah. Yep. 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 I mean, I spend so much of my time there. It's just statistically it's likely that, that you will die, die on the toilet. It's true. <laughs> Wow. One day, Joe. Ask Fran, are you going to introduce yourself? No. <laughs> I'm Fran, and <laughs> you don't get to know the fuck I am. 
Bye. Sometimes that's the dream. That <laughs> yeah. is the dream, baby. I, just, <laughs> I am not a writer nor an editor. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. And I am Dan Michelle Norris, and I'm a reader and writer, a former figure skater, and in 2022, I am committed to being bi. Oh. Coastal, that is. Oh. <laughs> Never oh. sexual. We all held our breath. Never sexual. <gasps> <laughs> so, uh, who's got the menu today? I guess I do. Not Fran. Not Fran has the menu today. <laughs> Not me. So uh, we're going to start off with a little, you know, I guess uh, an art criticism exercise, if you will. And then for dessert, um, I guess we're just going to get a slutty as we always do. And for dessert, um, I guess we're going to bring you some reality. You mm. No thanks. I've had enough. I'm feeling a little peckish. I guess it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our booshes, Joe, you got a game? Yeah. Listen, y'all, we on this show do not believe in high art or low. We think everything has value and is a a viable text to be read. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we think it's fucking hilarious to say (laughs) things are not art. Love to troll. Um, And I, you know, uh, the inspiration from this game comes from one of my favorite Twitter accounts called Art Decider, where people at Art Decider on a tweet and Art Decider decides whether or not that tweet is art. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you some categories, some concepts, some ideas, I think, some words works of quote-unquote art, and we here are going to definitively decide once and for all whether or not that thing is art. Are right. you ready to go? Let Musical it roll, Musicals, art or not art? <clears throat> I mean, I don't really like musicals. Me neither. So I'm just going to say not, not art. art. Because I don't like I, it. Yeah, because I want some angry people in my not, DMs. I, I agree, not art. Corny, bad. I mean, I, I, I mean, some some of the most formative art of my entire life is musicals, unfortunately, because I did I was a theater kid growing up. Oh so. no! Yeah, um, but I I have a resentment for them now, probably due to internalized homophobia or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I am not a musical person, really, but I'm gonna say art. I'm gonna wow. say art. Okay. Wow, controversial. Yeah. Lady Gaga's album Art Pop. Which calls itself art in the name of the album. Y'all ever, y'all better be careful because little monsters may be dumb, but they are scary. Okay? I'm doing the hand thing right now. You're not even doing it right. I'm gonna say that it is absolutely art. I think it, oh. it I think it is art in its highest form. I think it is performance art. I mean, Gaga herself famously went to Marina Abramovich's like institute or whatever. Um, Which is not art. <laughs> that is decidedly not art. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> I think that Gaga understands art innately. And I, I think that there, there's actually this amazing interview that she does where I think someone is like asking her some like stupid leading question about like how she's like perceived and why people think she's like shocking. And and she was like, well, I mean, I guess if you like you perceive me as shocking, that's kind of like a you thing because like I dress the way I dress and I do the things I do and I create what I create because I don't, I, it is like what I, it's just like what I think is like what I should do. There's nothing shocking about it to me, but I guess that's why I'm the artist and you are the public. And oh I, I and wow. she said what? that, and I was like, "Sis, I'm gonna tattoo that on my body." <laughs> I'm She's such a good gag. Um, can we name a song from that album? Because I don't know that I've ever listened to applause. Um, excuse <laughs> all of you. I mean, starting yeah, with I was fashion. Something. 
Fashion. Looking good and feeling fine. Looking good and feeling fine. I mean, I'm obviously, going to interrupt Venus, you. I hate this. Do what you want. Come on. I, I, so to be <clears throat> earnest for one small second, mm-hmm. literally my only category for something to be art is if it is attempting to be art. If it calls itself art, then it's art. The album calls itself art in the title of the album, but it is bad and not art. I do. I'll say it's art, but it doesn't have to be good art. I will agree that it's bad. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Next up, Telfar bags. Telfar bags. Art or not art? Well, I guess it, it, it meanders into a philosophical question about capitalism, which I feel like we're going to get into. But I think that you know, fashion design, if it's not ripping off of things, is is like a kind of art. And I think that mm-hmm. with Telfar specifically, even though it's like an extremely average bag, sorry, um, I think it creates a community and cultural memory that is very mm-hmm. artful. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I ah. guess it's folk art. Folk, folk art. art. Oh, I like that. Ah, I like really that. Beautiful. That makes sense. Yeah. Can I feel like other things that Telfar makes are art, but the bags to me I, are maybe the least <laughs> artful? I loved the. You Olympic. want those Uggs? You want that UGG collab? Don't oh, you? Man. Listen. You no, know I want an UGG. Someone out there, send Not me an UGG. Not art. Not <laughs> art. Not art. <laughs> Next up, Tommy Pico's tweet sitting on the cock of the gay. Art. Hi, art. <laughs> art. Not art, girl. High, 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 sky high sky art. High art. Ah! I'm I sh- need it. I'm showing Dan the UGG collab. The Telfar I need it. I need it. I need it. That's the, that's why I have yet to buy a Telfar bag. It's because I was waiting for that one. Cute. That's actually shart. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I laughed so hard. I sharted. That's so stupid. Uh, I'm here for it. Art or not art, drag race. I don't think it's art, no. I think the drag on Drag Race is art. Sometimes. Sometimes. It can be. I think it's always art. Teebsy is thinking so hard. No, I was just thinking about how, uh, like, the the reality competition aspect of it, it becomes this weird Mobius strip where in the beginning I felt like it was actually drag queens competing on a show, and now I feel like it's, like, people who want to be on a reality show, and they found drag as that avenue. And the thing is, the people that actually do, quote unquote, win Drag Race are people that win the reality show, not people that win the actual competition, Uh uh right? It's like, how does your personality Mm -hmm. transcend? But that said, drag is my favorite art form, like more than literally any other art form, like fine art, performance art, quote unquote, singing, dancing, everything. Like drag is the art form that I want to consume all the time. So I think these girls are artists. Yeah, but I think the show Mm -hmm. itself is just entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mariah Carey's autobiography. Oh, the meaning of Mariah Carey. Yes. I think I don't. I don't. I, I don't know to what degree a tome is art, but I do believe her audiobook version of it is absolutely an art. Mm, 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 mm. Any other thoughts? Thoughts no. from the other thoughts? <laughs> I don't think they have consumed. I, yeah, uh, okay, I have. Okay. I, I, I really just wanted to give Teves an opportunity to talk about the audio. Thank you. Mariah Carey herself is art, though. Yeah, I mean, actually, like she, her she persona, herself, her, her pers- yes, her persona, her, persona or voice, her, or her embodied person, all her person for me, all the Chanteuse, all, all of the above, the Chanteuse, <laughs> the I was me, listening to me. Uh, we, after we <laughs> were talking about Mariah Carey, I was listening to her Rarities album, and there's this song that she does. It's called Lullaby at Bur- Birdland. It's like a kind of live performance that she does as like a kind of scatty, bebop, jazzy song. And she wow. opens it up being, she's like, turn the microphone up. I'm a chanteuse. I'm a chanteuse, darling. <laughs> and I'm like, you are fat. Like, and it, it, it's, it's a, the persona is art. I think celebrity, yeah. actually. When I think about oh. Gaga, when I think about Mariah, 
creating something that powerful is art, I think. Um, okay. Next <laughs> up, we have corporate Twitter accounts, art or not art. No, nothing artful about that. Except the PBR <laughs> tweeting about um, ass eating. I was going to say, <laughs> they got the yeah. person fired. Yeah. That is 100% PBR tweeting art. about eating ass or Oreos <laughs> tweeting that trans people exist. <laughs> art. Um, but I will say, I feel like Wendy's Twitter account is art and Merriam Webster's Twitter account is art. No. Oh, I, mean, I, I think it depends on context. On mm. the twitter.com, no. On that wall, probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if it was printed out and mounted. Mm. It's kind of like that. <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of like the, um, the Art Basel piece with the banana taped oh, to, up on the wall with duct tape. Duct tape. And, then you, some, and then someone took it down and ate it. You, you were I, sitting here yes, telling me that the art pop on the wall. is not art, but yes, you but you like the banana love on the, wall. the banana on the wall. It's it's okay to call it art, but you're saying that you love it. I love it. Yes, as a critique on art and capital. I, I think it, it says a lot about what does it say the, the art market, mm. how we evaluate how it's, it's sold for like a hundred thousand dollars or something like yeah, that. It's an a banana yeah. wall, right? I think that is a, is an incredibly subversive commentary on what the value actually is yeah but it's is it yeah. but what's annoying is that it was literally purchased <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that money went to as they know it would be there. anyways uh yeah. we'll, ha- we'll have a few more we have a few more theme parks art or not art. interesting it's c- uh, c- it combines my least favorite things which is standing in line crowds and children yeah no <laughs> definitely not art. but you do you like roller coasters Girl, you just need a fast pass. That's, okay. You know, I guess I could. It's just the same thing. It's just there's, but there's also crowds and children. Two mm. things I do not. Yeah, with. you can't mm. escape them with a fast pass. I did I tell you all that I went to Six Flags in August oh, this wow. year? Oh wow! With my friends and I love. Growing up, I loved roller coasters. I loved theme parks. They were super fun. I hadn't been to one in ten years. I I walked in and I'm surrounded by all these children and all these families mm. and it's still COVID, and I was just like. I, I'm never again, mm. never again. I'm done. I'm done with this part of my life. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about Rupee's poetry? <laughs> Kaur, you <Yeah>. say? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite poet. Um, I mean, I guess it's art. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say it had to be good art. Uh, yeah. Oh God, what we drag her so hard. What about the drawings? No, none of it. <laughs> None of it. Dan is not having it. No, it's just it's it's all just a Shel Mm -hmm. Silverstein rib. I just like I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I I don't. I mean, I guess she's like in Shel Silverstein's lineage. I feel like we drag her a lot on this on this podcast, and I think it it needs to be contextualized that like it has to do with like the space she takes up and like her book being on like you know Urban Outfitters like tables and like it it and then all like where ninety nine percent of poets you know can barely make a living wage. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I guess the thing is. You know, first of all, if people read it and identify with it and love it, that's great. That's yeah. number one. Number two, I I do wish that it opened people up to be more curious about other contemporary poets, but I don't think it does that so much. And actual poet. I just hope that anybody, and myself included, so hold me accountable. This I just hope that anybody that it is representing an art form that isn't always celebrated, yeah. that if they were to ascend that level level, they would be posting about other exactly. artists every day. Right. Exactly. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I think, but here's, here's, here's where I'm going to play devil's advocate. It what? does the evo- poet? Okay. It does evoke a reaction out of me. Yeah. Mm. So therefore, and like, so watching- does Joe's gas, <laughs> <laughs> which is art. But you know, Shut like that's up. not so intentional. <laughs> uh, there is, th- th- so like watching her read 
fills me with amusement. Mm. <laughs> but, but, but I'm serious. It yeah. just like there's that one like I think it was um uh god uh, 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 uh there's a performance. No, I'm trying to think of the celebrity who retweeted her. Somebody some celebrity retweeted her or or reinstagrammed her and and it was her saying like why do I ask women they're pretty before I ask what they do or something like that? And I was like, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like maybe it's the context that I'm watching it in, but it just, it amuses me. I'm, I'm tickled. Yeah. I just feel like it shouldn't be called poetry. It's like the Christmas Carol and single all the way. Those like inspirational signs that she buys. Like that's where I feel like it belongs. We could play a version of this game. That's just, is it poetry? <laughs> but I mean, I would, true. I would that's argue to Joe's true. point, Twitter she calls it poetry. It's poetry. That's, yeah, that's, that I mean, full stop. Earnestly, earnestly. That's how I feel. But yeah. I also think it's hilarious to call things not art. Yeah. Last up. Ooh, I think this one might divide the room. Thirst traps art or not art. Is there VPL? <laughs> Dan. <laughs> Teams is amused. I don't even know. My argument would be no. It's um it's intention is um, to invoke or is 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 to um entice. Right. Right? In a very cheap way. Mm. Mm. Like it's like it's like you know you go oh god it's, this was like mid nineties mid nineties mid two thousands mid uh, mid two thousand ten eleven twelve thirty you know it's like there was this gay art scene in New York and it's like you go in and it's like pictures of like people eating cereal out of people's butts and it was like I mean I you know or it would be like the the art was just like dudes in jock straps and it's like but this seems like a little like um like its intention isn't to disrupt it's it's. I guess it's to titillate. It just it felt lazy to me because it was, it was it's a reaction that the thing itself didn't earn. Mm-hmm. That it was that it was um, doing something typical, and that like the reaction of horniness that one gets out of it was like, I mean, it's like it's like using nine eleven in something. People have such mm-hmm. a strong reaction to that right, that right. it doesn't matter what your thing is. You're invoking something that people yeah. have a feeling about. When people are like, yeah. "Well, Hitler," yeah. you know what I mean? No. But I definitely I saw a, per- a performance art piece one time. I saw it was a video, but it was done live of a, of a performance artist like literally sticking a bunch of things in his butt and then pooping them back out and then sticking them back in. That is art. It's, it's I was <laughs> like, is this, is, this is definite. That I certainly requires talent. Art. You know, I I I would agree with you, Teebs. I also. Think that there's a brand of thirst trap artists that has like becomes commodified there's like this uh-huh. polaroid polaroid photographer thirst trap person mm. that's like ascending mm. right now and it's like it's like what actually like what anyways all i'm saying is i really agree with you however i would argue that my thirst traps are art <laughs> don't even <laughs> don't even the way i mute with I, a rapidness oh, the way i say oh, no with a quick more i can't okay. look at her like you can't this. handle the heat <laughs> um and i remove myself from the kitchen mm. i mean it's just funny though joe because you love you used to love to post a gym selfie well, yeah, when I went to the gym. <laughs> <Back home. laughs> in the before times. Back in the before, before times. COVID. Thirst traps, much as I love a good bulge, much as I love a good VPL, thirst traps are not art. They are a lot of things. It has been decided. Mm, it's time we got to the meat of our conversation, the thought process about THOT. THOT. And uh, Den's got the meat this week. Y'all, 
so often. We think about art, we think about entertainment, we think about these things as being um, similar, but often inherently opposed to each other or mutually exclusive. Um, all of us at this table were serious about writing in many different forms. Um, and I would imagine that we all think of it as an artistic pursuit. Um, and we've grown. We've grown a lot since we met each other when we were, you know, at a workshop trying to be taught craft and trying to to learn about writing. We've all had a glow up. Um, and we've produced this show. Mm. And so for me, what's interesting is that where when we met, I think we may have thought of each other prim- ourselves primarily as artists, at least mm. in that context. We've really become entertainers as well. Wow. I love that. We have, okay. we have expanded. We've grown. I never thought I would be an entertainer personally. Um, talent. Mm-hmm. talent. <laughs> and so I kind of want to look at these two ideas, um, these two personas, the artist, the entertainer. And I want to talk about how they commingle, if they do commingle for us. Um, I want to start by asking each of you thoughties with a body. A two-part question. Are you an artist? And are you an entertainer? Mm. I I think um I I'm an entertainer first in most spaces. I think I find myself playing that role. But I, I think that as I try to pull more and more away from my work life, like the things that kind of like pay my bills, I definitely I'm trying to figure out what my art is, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. I feel the opposite of that, mm. where I feel like the what what I what I was getting into, I didn't I didn't expect anybody to pay attention or to. I was doing it for I was just it was it was a more it was a more internal questioning craft mm. and and working and, and it was more private. So like the stuff that I did early on, it it. it yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, zines and then poetry and stuff like that. It was definitely I was thinking of it more from, I I wouldn't I don't know if I would say artistic perspective, but definitely literary. And if literary and artistic overlap, then artistic, sure. Mm-hmm. But if but my most iterate the 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 strangest iteration of my career is like being on camera, you know, mm-hmm. and being in like Gosh. episodes of television shows, and that Oof. is an is entertaining, you know. And I started to think of myself as when I got, would get on stage, mm-hmm. you know, once I inhabited that space, I was like, I'm. Using my voice to make people feel a certain way, and this is like a crowd of people, and I'm doing this like four times this week. Like mm-hmm. this definitely makes I feel like an entertainer. So I feel like it, I led with art and ended with entertainment. I think also you are kind of kind of painting a really important picture of like what it means to kind of be both. Because I mean, we've obviously framed this conversation, or we were framing some of the ways we're talking about it as like a binary, and obviously, art and entertainment. I don't think is a bi- binary. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I think that you're a great example of that because your art had the vessel of how entertaining you are mm. to find its audience, and if you didn't have the spoken element of how you first started out in your poetry, you're, you would have a very different career. Oh, for sure. Mm. And I kind of I understood that was a part of the gig. Exactly. It was like if you're going to do this and you're going to get on stage, you got to you know, give give the girl something. Yeah. And but what that happened was, then I would be in the writers' room and I'd be pitching dialogue, and then and, and like eventually the showrunner was like, "Do you want to play this character?" And I was mm. like, "Well, no." And he pursued me for a while, and then I was like, I guess it's something that I could do, and it was something that I did. Yeah. Yeah, Teebs, yeah. you love to be pursued. I cannot <laughs> wait to see it, by the way. I get to say I'm a hoe, and I know about hoe shit. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that is high art. Do you remember, that is high do you remember art. when you were on NPR, and they had to bleep you saying that? 
like 90% of what you said was bleep. Beep, yeah. beep, beep, beep. And Sam show or I saw I read on on Sam's Twitter uh this like exchange that went back and forth between him and and oh, the editor this. and it was like he's so fifth, filthy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like that's that's he's like that's a guest editor we use a different ones sometimes but I was like oh, it's fine it's fine it's fine. Coin slot. I said coin slot and they bleeped that. <laughs> talking about OnlyFans and I was like oh, oh so it was like around the time that OnlyFans was saying they weren't going to show nudity anymore and I was oh, like right. oh so you're not going to let the let the girl show coin slot and <laughs> <laughs> they definitely bleeped out coin slot that, that feels like such an <laughs> NPR worthy yeah. euphemism to yes, me but that sounds like not. the perfect thing I, um, I am not a natural entertainer like it's just not I would say we all find you entertaining. Uh, I mean, I'm we usually do. entertaining by accident. People <laughs> laugh at me oh, a lot. Um, no, I, you know, I, I think that one of the great gifts this show has given me is another aspect of um, uh, another muscle that I can use. Um, and and I do view it, you know, as as an art. The show definitely, I think, you know, has dumb moments, but it has a lot of moments that are that I think are really artful. Uh, and and being in the podcast space, and you know, I work with my friend GoFen on other podcasting projects that are more narrative and stuff. And it it feels good to have a muscle that that additional muscle. But I definitely came to writing primarily not as like words on the page like not about re- like reading them out loud not about performing them about turning them into essays and books and sending that off into the world where another person would sit down with it by themselves and perceive it you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so the thing about being an entertainer or doing a show like this is it's more like it, it's it feels more embodied like i'm sharing more of myself which at times is kind of like makes you feel very vulnerable but i did mm-hmm. see a different aspect of you when we were on tour Mm-hmm. There is a showman in you, mm-hmm. you know, there, because there's like, because there, there's like an outfit that you like to wear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a way that you walk on stage. And I watched mm-hmm. you progress mm-hmm. more and more and more, get more comfortable yeah. with that yeah. part mm-hmm. of you. So by the end of tour, it was like, we were doing shows. We honey. were doing shows, girl. Yeah. The girls yeah. were not ready for the yeah. show. Yeah. Sure, giving the girls <laughs> shows. This is, this is, not, this is not, your, <laughs> not your typical poetry reading. We no. are doing a show, yeah. ladies. You do, and you do know how to adopt a persona, which I think is, is, is really interesting and be a big part of both of these things so for me it's like it's very interesting because I definitely again I came to writing very much from a traditional literary artistic perspective and I would say the majority of my writing is still sort of in that tradition I you know basically as soon as I decided I wanted to be a writer I was like well I better learn how to do this and so I went and got an MFA and I'm all about I think a lot about craft all the time it's kind of one of the guiding principles of like the work that I do and I've always thought of myself as a craftsperson even before that like growing up playing the viola and being a figure skater I was all it was just always like okay if you want to do this you have to learn how to do it properly um and so i think what that means for me is that i think again a lot about craft i think a lot about rigor i think a lot about practice um but what's interesting is that having moved into this entertainment space um and this world of podcasting all of those same things are still really important here and those and i think about like someone who for example is a stand-up comedian and like all of those same things are a big part of what they do in the way that they work and so and comedy to me is an art form um, I mean the art of humor is fascinating the art of humor is fascinating and it's super super important in like so many different ways including bleeding into other art forms mm-hmm. and so I guess it's interesting because for me one of the things that I've learned is that these things that to me I I saw myself seriously in one way because it was really important to me to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, and as a kid, especially I think being bullied in the ways that I was as a kid, as a young person, for, just for being who I was, for being effeminate, I think I felt like I, and I and I was a smart kid. I was like, I, I don't want to be laughed at. I want to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Like I want you to, to like, 
respect what I'm contributing. And so that has been the guiding principle. But I guess the point is, for me, is that sort of moving beyond that and into the space that we're in now and into this very entertaining space, um, one, I've had to be a lot more humble about that because there are so many people who maybe wouldn't consider themselves artists, or maybe they do. And they also bring like rigor and practice and thought and like constant rewriting and revising. Again, I recently, we did this as a dessert, um, a while ago, but I recently watched the series Hacks on mm. um, on H on HBO. Right? Dan watching our dessert six months later. <laughs> Dan, Dan literally asked me, "Ooh, I really want to do this show Hacks for dessert," and I was like, "Dan, we have done that <laughs> for a dessert <laughs> so on this TV show." Right. Relatable, honestly. Like, I don't remember what we talked about. Right. That um, right. It's it's so hard to remember. We do so many. Um, shout out to my friend from way back when we were coming up um, in Philly, Carl Clemens Hopkins, who's on that show. But in the last episode. When you you find out that that the the new show that the artist has, that the comedian has tried to do has not gone well, and he's like, "But it will." Like you know, we're gonna go on the road. I'm gonna keep working on it. And I just was like, "That's like the same way that I've thought about like writing short stories, writing mm-hmm. a novel." Mm-hmm. So for me, all I guess what I'm saying is that the line the lines are really blurred, and I don't know if it even matters if I place myself in one or the other, or that I can be a part of both of these realms. I, I wonder I, do. I wonder if a part of it has to do with um with the ratio of work that one has to do where mm. you know um with art and I, this is very general but you have to meet art where it is mm-hmm. and entertainment comes to you. Right mm. right 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 right. Oh, I, 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 I love that. Since we're talking about how blurred the lines are, can anyone think of examples of things that are absolutely just entertainment that are not even attempting to be art podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't shit. think that's true of I don't think that's true of narrative podcasting. Right. I think yeah. that's a real story. But what we're doing is commentary. It's yeah. writing. Well, Barth you know, would it's... say commentary is its own art form. I'm sure. <laughs> that's very cool. I'm sure Barth I think would. I also think that the, the guardrails of what we're talking about is complicated when we're talking specifically about fine artists, mm-hmm. which none of mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. are. And like I think are it's like that's like a whole other beast. <laughs> I do have an MFA, <laughs> a master of fine arts. I mean, like painting. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Like the visual painting. art. Visual art. Visu- yes. Oh, is that fine what it's called? With the visual. I, mean, when I think of fine art. I always think of paint. I don't even know the terms. That's how like I'm much I'm exposing myself right now. <laughs> well, I think I think another of our desserts um, uh, from a few weeks ago, single all the way, is like that's entertainment. It's not attempting yeah. to be art. It's not yeah, attempting okay. to do anything more than what it's doing. Okay. It is going to be a 90 minute movie that okay. you chuckle at and watch as and a, bubble a, gum a, and forget. Yeah. There's a whole conversation about single all the way. We are now a, a podcast that only discusses single all the way. But as opposed to Moonlight which for me was maybe the first sort of art house film or film done in an art house tradition mm. that I had ever seen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Not being in that realm at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry, not to interrupt you. I just. The, the, it's not like there is an art to single all the way. It just itself is not art. Right. It's, 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 no. I think art and entertainment are attempting different things. I think entertainment is attempting to um, delight. And you enjoy it. Art can do that, but that's not necessarily what art is always attempting. Mm-hmm. I think art can attempt lots of different things, but to me, like I said earlier, the most important thing is, is the person calls it art. Mm. Uh, and then once the person calls it art, well, it's art, and then we can have a conversation about whether it's successful or not, whether it's good or bad. But I do think things like Single All the Way are not 
attempting. They're not even saying, take me seriously as an artwork. They're saying, take me seriously. You know, like, yeah. if you think about something like Big Bang Theory, is that attempting to be, is that even making a gesture toward art? I don't think so. I think so. It's TV. Do you? I, maybe not, but that can also, di- I mean, we have to discuss context and timeliness right. yeah. because mm-hmm. in 10 years time, there's going to be like the, the course on the American sitcom mm-hmm. and that will be, yeah. then in that context, it will be seen as something artistic because mm-hmm. it was a part of a, of a movement. It was a part of a pattern, uh, a density, a joke density, a time, yeah. a, a camera, like the camera situation, multi-cam versus single cam. Like that there so is, I'm, I'm about to go. Cause I, I think that, uh, in post it, since postmodernism, it, something doesn't have to name itself as art to be a text that a critic takes seriously, right? Like postmodern theorists take re- wrestling, professional wrestling, seriously as a text. Professional wrestling definitely isn't, to my mind, calling itself an art. But that doesn't mean it's not a text that we can't interpret as though it were serious. Art, you Until know what I mean? you hear like an interview with one of these wrestlers, like mm-hmm. The Undertaker, who he kept his persona oh, up for 25 years, yeah, yeah, never yeah. cracked it, and is now doing all these interviews as himself, and is like... That's performance art. That's performance yeah. Elvira. Yeah. yeah. Elvira girl. True. True. Wanders her whole life and all of a sudden she's a human being. That's performance art. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing also. I'm just going to be very real. I, I'll, I honestly, this is in the vein of what I said during the game, but like it's a false binary. It's, it's, it's mm. uh, to me on an, not a very, um, I don't think it's a, I don't know if the, where the conversation goes by trying to decipher what is art and what isn't. It's a more interesting conversation, which is kind of inside of everything that we're talking about, uh, which is like how, what happens when capitalism mm-hmm. infiltrates mm-hmm. art? Mm-hmm. What happens when our art is beholden to capital? Well, yeah. The, and the high art world right now is fucking insane. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. high fine art world where like paintings are going for a it's like a very small number of people making themselves very very rich because rich people have decided that the art market is a safe place to put money that's yeah. what's happening it's rich literally people legal I, money yeah, laundering Charlotte explained it all on and just like that yes she just did just gonna say yes she did <laughs> I dated a fine artist for a while and I could I, you know it, it didn't work out but I could see I got a, a window into that world and he was a um, an assistant and I could see how that would drive somebody crazy because what is popular seems so arbitrary because yeah, somebody yeah, has is. decided. And so it's like, how do you know in that world if you're any good at what you do when absolute shit is a hundred thousand yeah. dollars? Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. there's this is also a, an issue and a thing in the book world too. Like mm-hmm. it's so. It's so arbitrary, and it's like once someone wants your project, all of a sudden everyone wants it. I mean, it's like lemmings. And I've said to people in other industries, oh, that publishing is unique in this way. And I and they're like, no, that's like everywhere. That's just sort of what it is. That's sort of what it is when you're in business and, and capitalism is a, is, is a part of this. I feel like one of y'all have talked about before, might have been Tommy, but I think you were quoting someone about how the second you publish a book, is when it stops yeah. feeling like art. Yeah. Is when it no longer belongs oh. to you. I, right. I have and it's almost lot, like yeah. it's I mean, obviously capital's in that, but it's almost like less it's about the the second your art has an audience. Mm-hmm. But what is art without an audience? Mm-hmm. It's still I, art. But I, yeah. But and no I, one will see it. And I think that's well, yeah, I guess if there isn't an audience, it's still art. But I think that's a really interesting thing too, because to me, part of like a defining part of 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 art is that consumption simply because when you consume art 
whatever it is. And maybe this, maybe we shouldn't even say art. Maybe we should be saying content because I think this could be true for content or entertainment anyway Mm -hmm. um, when we separate them. But like, so a big part of it is what you bring to it. Like how Mm -hmm. you experience the art is what you bring to it. And I think about this a lot with writing because like how readers read a book has a lot to do with what they bring to it and what they Mm -hmm. don't bring to it. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And that also is a huge part of like, even the reviews and the conversation around mm. a book and the critique of a book. And so in, in, there's a way in which that's limited, limiting and there's a way in which that's ex- world expanding. And how much a book demands your attention. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like poetry demands a lot of attention. It demands actually all of your attention. It if does. you're not giving all of your attention to a poem, you're you're not going to read it. Yeah. However, oh, there is that. some stuff that like, you know, like some stuff in the sort of like, uh, like, like grocery store fiction world where it's like you, you actually can just like skim and get the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, entertainment that's not art, mm-hmm. reality television. Oh, that's a Real really, Housewives yeah. is not art. 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 Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Real Housewives <laughs> is. No. I, yeah, I was going to say, Andy Cohen might disagree kidding? with that. The Real Housewives is one of the most, like, widely accepted and, like, nuanced and of the moment, like, critiques on, like, capitalism's effect on, like, the human psyche. Is it, it a critique, though? I don't... I think it is. But it, the, it, it shows what it is. But, it's an example. But, I, but that goes to show is that is art dependent on what the artist's intention was, or is it dependent on how the person consuming it um, interprets? Well, it? like well, what you said about a, it being a text. Yeah. Anything can be a text. Anything, anything can be a text. text. And you can think mm-hmm. deeply about anything, and also create co- um, connections between this object and its time, mm-hmm. because yeah. I think that always has. Uh, that that always is for for lack of a better word, food for thought. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thinking mm-hmm. about like things in context of you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street or or the whole uh, the spate of slasher films in the eighties coming out as a contra to like Reagan era policies and 100%. that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, like and like the how we build this trope of like people who do drugs or people who lose their virginity or people who are you know gay or people of color they die first and it's like yeah. that's a comment on Reagan mm-hmm. like Reaganomics. You James know? Bond and and post colonialism. Mm-hmm. James Bond and the Cold War. Right. These 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 um tech of popular culture can of course be mined and, and read as serious art. I I think uh, that this notion of making something private and then giving it out to the world and the artist's relationship to to that act uh, and the and then the artist's relationship to the joy of creation. I think that one thing to me about most art is that there's there's an impetus to it. Someone sits down and says, I'm going to make art. Mm-hmm. And that's not, you know, that's not just a normal everyday like I think that I think that should be a, much more encouraged. I think mm-hmm. if people were encouraged to sit down and make art with intention or sit down and engage with art with intention, our world would be a much, much better place. Cause I think it's a, a deeply human act. I think every human should have space to make and consume art in their life. But I, I think there's something so special about just like that, that moment of dis- the decision to create and then decision to let everything else after that, um, just be what it is. I, there's, a, there's a story that Hilton Ells writes in his essay, the first essay of, um, his uh, essay collection, White Girls, about uh, he his his bestie Dana John M- Michael um, Basquiat, and um, she was with Basquiat, and when he painted this very famous um, chicken and rice painting, and they were in Puerto Rico, I think, and he left it outside on the balcony. It started to rain, and he wasn't going to pull it in. Oh. She was the one who like was like, "You have to pull this in." It's ama-. he was very famous at this point. That that canvas was worth even at that time a shit fuck ton of money, and he was like, "Whatever, it's raining. I I I, cr- I did the thing that I wanted to do. I created it, mm-hmm. that, and that's for him was sort of enough." And I think that to me is like 
so Art illustrative of mm-hmm. of of the the impetus the decision i'm going to make art uh and that to me is the, is the most beautiful and the most important thing and everything else after that is an act of reading yeah it's the mm-hmm. most human thing actually yeah. the yeah. most genuinely human thing i yeah. mean did people in the show writing on those caves think that they were making art or yeah. were they just was it an urge that they were satisfying to create mm. Did you know there was a scientific paper on um, some cave paintings that had weird lines and stuff in them uh, and that no one for years and years and years, thousands of years, figured out what it was. But then they realized that if you were looking at that by candlelight, that the motion of the candlelight made a movie uh, uh, of the painting. Oh, my God. And it's just like, yeah, like they made a movie when it was just candlelight and it took us thousands of years to be able to interpret what that the the actual meaning of that still. It's just like. Yeah, it connects us so deeply to our humanity. And one of the worst things about capitalism is that I think people feel like they have to choose between a life of of having enough food, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. A, a life of having an apartment and having a stability and a life of making art and mm-hmm. if making and consuming art. And if making and consuming art were a more normal part of our daily existence, I, I think we'd be all m- much, much healthier. I think we'd all also be healthier if we tried to not make our art our jobs. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, no, I think, totally. I think everyone who is an artist should consider what else they can do to make money yeah. so that they don't ruin their relationship to their art. Or, yeah. But outside, and obviously that's not a possibility for everybody. And I also know that there are people that literally only possess the ability to make art and like god bless you um <laughs> but i think that so it, glad I'm not like, yeah exactly but i think that uh, on the on what you're saying it's like i think it's a super um, incredible exercise and one something that i really struggle with to sit down and and make art or to do something without thinking about the audience mm-hmm. it's like so so hard mm-hmm. for, for, yeah. at least for me because my job is like just hit me over the head and like trained me this in a certain way. Well, I think it's always important to imagine an, um, a receptacle for your thing because there's a person on the other side. It gives you urgency and velocity in what it is that you're making. Right. Cause it's hard to just create without having an audience member in mind or a per or, or or somebody on the other end of that tin can, you know, listening to it. So you, so I think imagining another is necessary, but like imagining an impact, or a yeah. pop, you know, like or a paycheck. Yeah, like those Ooh, that can be more de- that that yep. can be more detrimental. Oh, you know, so, to yes, it so. can. But it's also like yes, if I think can. about the advance that I got for virology, mm-hmm. and I think about the hourly rage that that would have oh, paid girl, me. Yeah, it's that's just, why I'll never write oh. a book. No, I mean, it's <laughs> just like, seriously, no, who is. in their right mind writes a fucking book? It is just it is pennies and out. I mean, it is just. But am I am I proud of it? Do I do I hope that it's? I mean, it certainly names itself as art. Art, mm-hmm. uh, as literary art, do I hope that people receive it that way? I do. I mean, it's it's deeply terrifying to put this art out into the world because, again, I do believe that people are allowed to read it in whatever way that they want to read it. It's now it becomes just a text, but it literally feels like my body. Yeah, like it literally mm-hmm. feels like people are going to be opening up my body, and and they have every right to do whatever they want to that part of my flesh you know it's honestly, the ultimate bottom <laughs> just, ah! seriously though start something else before it comes oh, out I, I, yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. I'm, i've mm-hmm. done and we're, done baby yeah. a fiction we're writing a novel yeah, right? totally, that's right something yeah. totally I mean, different yeah. i've been kind of talking about this with my friend chantal v johnson whose book post-traumatic is also you coming out this cannot year wait and there's like this this reception and like wanting it to be received in its in the in the spirit in which it was created yeah 
Mm-hmm. And anybody with bad faith can have yep. a different reading yep. and yup. And and yep. just tear the internet up, up with it. Yep. You know, yes, they or can. even good faith. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yes, they True. can. It is I think that's one of the hardest things I think about that too, just with my work all the time and with, with this novel and there's a new aspect to it that I've added and I'm very nervous about how that's going to be received. Knock on wood. How do you feel about the word content? <laughs> it's, it was in, I hate it. It's in a lot of journaling. I did this. Year <laughs> Is, and the journals I are themselves it. content. So no, it's like content they're... on content on content. <laughs> no, they're specifically <laughs> not the like I, uh, wow, that's I, beautiful. I, I mean, when I did my, um, when I did my New Year's resolution spreadsheet, which I always do in November, so they can give them a little test drive in December before, you know, <laughs> of course you do. Go into my you are the Taurus of all Tauruses. Like I had like kind of three areas of like resolutions, and one of those like categories, like buckets, was about like curiosity and play. Oh, I love that. For you. And like b- because I'm just so like my autopilot is to like make content, is to make something that is consumable, and I'm. And I'm constantly trying to kind of like unravel what it is that I actually want to do without thinking about how it's going to translate it in social media or how I can pitch it to an editor or how I can become a TV show. You know what I mean? And so like along this conversation of art, I think that curiosity and play and those kind of like, I think those like Mm -hmm. um, driving forces are so are childlike and agnostic of Mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm agnostic of how it's going to make you successful or at least they should in its purest form sure i think those ideas deserve a little privacy yeah yeah Yeah. exactly and i've like i've been like challenging myself to look at what i do and like for i mean this is a a like a a weird example but like i wrote a there's this thing called future me which i think everyone should do where you write a letter to yourself and it sends you sends it to you like a year it emails it to you like a year later or whenever mm-hmm. so i wrote an email a, a, a letter to myself last year completely forgot about it um I read it this year had a like profoundly moving experience mm-hmm. um and immediately my brain was like oh my god you should post about this blah 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 mm-hmm. and i was like wait like actually that was like mm-hmm. So intimate, what do you have to gain from that? Mm. What does it mean to you if it's just for you? Mm-hmm. Does it have does it mm-hmm. lose its value? No, of mm-hmm. course not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it mm-hmm. also might be something that you talk to a friend about, not something that you talk to the internet about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like tied to like what you're proud because I was proud of the writing that I did in the letter. Mm. Like I wrote some beautiful prose. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um and I really wanted to share that. But you know, it's kind of like that kind of game with yourself yeah i think the the you know the the notion of play and joy and Mm -hmm. and that childlike curiosity and play Mm -hmm. um my best ideas my weirdest ideas come from that and then the the problem becomes like okay well my childhood and my play led me to write an essay about dog grief that has an imagined world with barbara streisand's cloned dogs having sex with each other okay so i've done that now i deeply love this essay but how the (laughs) fuck do i convince anyone that this is like something that should be public you know you're pitching it right now (laughs) i I, I just i think that's but that what i've found through through my writing career 
career is that the the moments I the things I have where I'm like I don't care if this gets published I'm writing this because mm-hmm. this idea is helping me like this I find this idea joyous like I I am having f- fun imagining this world of cloned dogs figuring out their weird psychosocial psychosexual relationship to each other and their dead clone of a mother that sounds like something you, <laughs> you know uh, and and so I I'm I. I have to create the thing and then creating the thing gives me all of the belief that this is a thing that other people will love because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. And I definitely need to find the right editor to make it better than what it is right now. But like, I just, by the time I finish a draft, I'm like, yeah, this thing needs to be in the world. Mm -hmm. And then I have to, then I'm in a position where I'm just fighting for it. Mm -hmm. The problem is I've written a lot of these essays like this. They always do incredibly well. They find readers, people find them weird. It's different, but like, I get paid 150 bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? That And yeah. so that, oh. that, and I'm lucky because I have a job. Uh, I am also getting into my forties where I want to have a little more financial stability. So I'm bummed out that I work on something for a year mm-hmm. and sell it for $150. That sucks. I mean, know? imagine yeah. working on poetry when you don't get any exactly. money. You get nothing. Exactly. I mean, nothing. I literally quit writing for publications because I was just like, this is not worth my time. And it, and that's why I launched Substack. It was like, it was like, okay, this is like actually when I sit down at the computer and I'm writing something, it is for me. Like I'm literally going to, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, di- 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 divesting a little bit from the art conversation. I like want to write a drag race recap. This right. isn't for anybody. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't have to sell this anywhere. I don't have to worry about how much money it makes, but it's something that's giving you life. Yeah. You yep. know, and no editor is going to sit there and like try to shave the eccentricities off of it. Yeah, mm, exactly. Yeah. Also, you don't have to worry about proofreading. Just mm. be like, Sorry, y'all wow. will deal with it, nerds. Uh, Fran just did a, a hand jerk motion that <laughs> yeah, was absolutely art. Thank you <laughs> Thank for you. that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Fully art. Oh. Shall I do a live reading of my resolution spreadsheet? <laughs> oh my god. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dead knows how I feel. Oh. And I believe the cherry on our top is Fran this week. That's right. I am honestly very den in this regard because I am shouting out something that came out in 2019. <laughs> came out what was the world life ago? then? What was what was life in 2019? We, we didn't honestly, think it was going to get any worse. We didn't we, think it was going to get worse. We had it so good, oh girl. Um, many no of the people on this podcast have probably many of the people listening have probably already seen season eight of Are You the One, which is a reality TV dating show speaking of art (laughs) um and this show i was very resistant to watch in the beginning for only one reason which is that i was working at out magazine at the time and i was so sick of editing stories about are you the one season eight (laughs) and i was like i can't write it i just like don't care about this thing um but i binged it for the very first time it's on paramount plus right now season eight and only season eight don't watch any of the other seasons um, is season, season eight is the gay one. Is that yes. what the deal is? So the show is the show is honestly a little complicated, but the gist is there are sixteen contestants. All of them have, according to you know, social science matchmaker people, like professional, like kind of relationship evaluators. They've interviewed every single contestant, their exes, their family, like done all these like mm-hmm. cool, like you know evaluations on them and have determined one other contestant that is their perfect match. Oh my god. And so the show is predicated on these 16 people being able to find their first 
they're, they're perfect match. And this is the first season in the history of the show where every contestant is sexually fluid and attracted to every gender. Ooh. And so wow. I went into it. I also, to be honest, I was like, well, there are going to be some cis gays, gay guys on there that like aren't really that sexually fluid. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like the kind of wee-ho-y kind of gay guys that are on the show so seamlessly go from fucking women to men to women in, in such an effortless way. Like the depiction of pansexuality on this show is something I've actually never seen before. And I will not, you know, spoil, but like, I think that the show in itself really surprised me um, in so many different areas. First of all, like, all of the cast members are really rich characters that you fall in love with, like, mm. right away. Um, like, but obviously, like, Remy Duran, Bissett, like, they're all, like, favorites that, like, have emerged out of, like, that show. Um, but, like, I think that the show in and of itself does something that I don't think it's always credited for, which is show people what the transformative power of queerness does mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for your relationships Mm -hmm. and they're all of every all contestants also have to be really quote-unquote bad at relationships like they've had a bunch of like like flops um leading up to this point and um the the show kind of they teach each other Mm -hmm. how they're toxic (laughs) they teach each other there is a literal social justice circle accountability moment that happens in a hot tub with the (laughs) trans mask sorry this is kind of a with the trans mask fuck boy that is like basically causing harm in all these different areas of the, of the show wow and it, it, there's so this. many different moments where it's like i've never seen that before and on top of that i just like it's fucking messy mm-hmm. it's messy it's funny it's nuanced it's so trash but also like like just very very engaging all the way through. I found myself so surprised by I it. I want to watch a movie called Transformative Justice Hot Tub. Yes! <laughs> that is actually your sexuality. It is. Transformative <laughs> Justice <laughs> Hot Tub. Yes. Yeah, the show is, is really, it's, I, I mean, if I were to, I know I always speak in hyperbole, but like, it is one of my, I've watched a re- lot of reality TV at this point. It's one of my favorite seasons of reality te- television I've ever seen. Wow. Period. Next to this season of Salt Lake, next to um, Drag Race All-Stars 2, next to like Beverly Hills season two. Like it, it was so, it it came together so well. Mm. And they, the, the stakes got higher and higher and higher because a million dollars are on the line. Mm-hmm. And there's betrayal that happens, and it affects all of them. Wow. Like, the, the prize wow. is a collective prize, so they have to act as a collective in order to accomplish what they want right. to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And the crucial crux of the show that I talked about in therapy, that I had journaled about this year, that I, like, keep bringing up in conversations, is this question of... The person that you think is your perfect match, the person you are attracted to, the person you think is, quote unquote, the one, is more often than not someone that isn't good for you. Mm -hmm. And that the person that you totally looked over is usually the one that is going to create the healthiest relationship. Because if you, if if what the premise is you inherently suck at relationships, it means that the thing that you're pursuing. You're drawn to bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's so deep it so the show is a read to begin show with is a read also a friend of the pod jenna wortham wrote a really beautiful kind of like essay about the show when it came out i recommend that it's like additional reading mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like it's a great show i strongly recommend oh thank you friend 
This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Our producer will finally be immortalized in in emoji form when they have an edible dissolved in a beard and shot special. Alexandra (laughs) DePalma. Subscri- subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or Fran never shows their chest hair again. Oh. <laughs> I'm shave it. <laughs> I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S on Instagram because I deleted Twitter. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com where you can pre-order that pound of my flesh that is my fucking book, Virology. <laughs> I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishgo. And please listen to my new podcast, Like a Virgin, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I'm Den Michelle Norris. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at The Den Michelle. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read. And join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? T A S H O T. You should poop. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.